We'll turn it over to Thomas, the ponytail man. This is looking, ooh. He's going to have a ponytail in that beard before it's over with. Everybody welcome Thomas, Benjamin Preble. Amen. Amen. Well, <clears throat> this morning may be a little messy. I really struggled this week to clearly figure out kind of my, how to say what I need to say this morning. So I hope it comes out like I think it's going to come out. I hope you hear what I think I'm saying. <clears throat> If you hear something I'm not saying, well, that's your problem. It's not on me. But I'm going to try to say what I feel like I need to share, and, and I, I believe it's going to bring some, some health and healing to us because, again, this is, um, uh, this is part of my journey and my sabbatical. I'm going to be talking about lots of stuff in my journey because I think it's important that everybody... Um, know what I went through, but also apply what I, you know, you get to have some benefit for what I experienced. Amen? Amen. Another person's testimony is your testimony waiting to happen. Absolutely. And this is how we overcome. Amen? <clears throat> so, so today I'm going to share uh, another, um, another paradigm shift that's happening in me, happening in me. Um, I don't fully grasp it yet. It's kind of, I'm still, I'm not out of the woods yet on this, but that's okay. Um, I don't even know if I like it yet. <laughs> but I know it is something the Lord is doing in me. Okay? And so, um, if you are here last week or you, you went online and listened to the podcast, um, Last week you heard me say that my new target coming out of this, out of my sabbatical, is my new target is now to, it's to be faithful and to let God handle the growth. Remember that? Now that's a great statement. It sounds very nice. It's actually a biblical statement. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, if you have your Bibles, if not, you can look on the screen. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, starting in verse 1, says, Brothers, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you're still not ready. You're still worldly, and for, uh, for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere men? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere men? What, after all, is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord assign, has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything but only God who makes things grow. 
The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose, and each will be rewarded according to his own labor, for we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. So my reward is dependent upon my faithfulness, not dependent upon your growth, your acceptance of it, your reception of it. I'm here to be faithful. The rest is your problem. So when I say that my new target is to be faithful and let God handle the growth, it's a very biblical way for us to live. Not just me. For all of us. It's not one that maybe I always like. And here's why. Most of you may have discovered about me that I am a driven personality type. And all those who are laughing are the ones who have figured it out. If you're not familiar with the DISC personality profile, it's a questionnaire that helps you kind of figure out what, what your personality makeup is. And I administer these, and of course I've taken my own. And when on that DISC personality profile, I am... Uh, the high D. I'm off the chart. It's like they made up numbers to help measure my D. So what that means, if you're a high D like me, means you're driven to see and get results. It's in my DNA. For Tom to be a happy guy, to be a happy camper, I need to see things keep moving forward. I need expansion. I need enlargement. I want to see the kingdom of heaven invade and take over every sphere of culture and society. In fact, one of my favorite scriptures is Matthew eleven twelve. 12. For the day, uh, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and forceful men lay hold of it. I like it. I like it a lot. As a matter of fact, I like it so much, I actually like it even better in the King James Version. So I'm going to get my British accent on, or maybe an Irish one, I don't know. It's muddled. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and violent take it by force. There it is. That is who Tom Preble is. I make no apologies for it anymore. I'm a forerunner. I am a pioneer. I'm a David. I am a John the Baptist. I am an effective producer. And if I have enough resources, nothing can really get in my way. But there's a downside to my personality. You see, when things don't move forward, things don't improve, things don't expand, I get very frustrated. When people don't lead, when people don't manage well, 
when people don't advance their sphere of ministry, I get frustrated. And I start tracking it, like I shared last week, I start tracking it as personal responsibility. And that's one of the things I'm in the process of unlearning. Yes. And it's, you see, because it's, it's in, these, in these setbacks and frustrations that I have this tendency to interpret it as a lack of favor or help from the Lord for me. And this is what I want to focus on today. Because at the peak of my burnout, my heart was crying out to God. Why won't you help me? Why won't you allow my dreams to materialize? Why do people not care or work as hard as I do? Don't I work hard for you, God? Haven't I sacrificed enough just to see a little something that makes my heart full of joy? And my heart was getting sicker and sicker from all these thoughts until the Lord began to reveal something much more gross than even my pity party. He revealed that in many ways I was serving him for blessings instead of seeking him for his presence. I was looking for joy in all the things or opportunities that came from God instead of God himself. And when God didn't pay off for all my hard work and sacrifice, my heart got bitter. So the Lord started showing me that I was, I was basically trying to live in an old covenant way, in a new covenant reality. See, I was, I was living Deuteronomy 29.9 in a Hebrews 7, 18 and 19 reality. Now here's what I mean. We're going to read these scriptures. Deuteronomy 29.9. Carefully, everyone say carefully, follow the terms of this covenant so that you may prosper in everything you do. This was my approach to many things in the ministry. If I could if I can just, if I could do this and that, then it, it should equal all my dreams coming true. Hmm? Now, now I'm talking about you. Because <laughs> you can go, oh, 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 me too. Yes, you too. See, I figured uh, if I could just, 
if I could just figure out what the right combination of, of being lovable like Eric or charismatic and approachable like Mike, you know, and if I received enough emotional healing and, and sacrificed enough time and money and if I counseled enough people so they would see my value and know that I actually care about you, then God would pour out blessing and favor and promotion and advancement. If I could get all that right. Basically, living under the performance mindset of the old covenant. And I think that's where a lot of us are at right now. I believe that there are many of you who are crying out to God, just show me what to do so I can do it, so I can have the blessings. You know, I think about all the people who have walked into this room over the years. Literally thousands have come to this church searching for answers to all of life's problems so as to eliminate all of life's pain. And one by one, they came hoping that if they attended church, God would help them. One by one, they came and even received Jesus Christ as their savior, hopefully making all their pain go away. And one by one, they have walked out the door, never to come back. Because their healing didn't manifest, their bills didn't get paid, their broken relationships didn't get mended, their marriage didn't heal, their kids didn't come back to God, their job never came, their blessings never showed up. God didn't pay off for them, and away they go. And sadly, we help them out the door. And the way we do this is by promising them that, that when they accept Jesus into their heart, all of their problems will fly away like butterflies. And when their problems and pain don't go away, then we convince them that if they try hard enough or learn well enough or love deep enough, then God finally will work for you. That's how I've lived from time to time. That's how many of you live from time to time. So we're really living an old Testament way in a New Testament reality. We're living Deuteronomy 29.9 in a Hebrew 7 and 18 and 19 context. context. So what does Hebrews say? Let's look at that. Hebrews 7 verse 18. The former regulation is set aside because it was weak and useless. Everybody say, weak and useless. Weak and useless. 
For the law made nothing perfect, and a better hope is introduced, by which we draw near to God. So, under the old covenant law, we had to do everything right to be blessed. And the way that we measured whether they were blessed was by the things they had or how easy their life was. Right? And that how we identify blessed people? Look at all their stuff. Look at how wonderful their life is. Look how easy. Nothing bad ever happens for them. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 28. Verses 1 through 6. Here it is. If you fully obey, everybody say fully obey. obey. The Lord your God and carefully follow all, say all, of his commandments I give you today. The Lord your God will set you high above the nations on the earth. All these blessings will come upon you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. You'll be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. The fruit of your womb will be blessed and the crops of your land and the young of your livestock, the calves of your herds and the lambs of your flocks. Your basket and your kneading trough will be blessed. You will be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. Bless God. I'm ready for TV. I'm ready. Move over, Joel and Creflo. Bless God. But what happens when you can't live up to all the commands of God? I'll tell you what happens. Let's go down to verse 15. However, If you do not obey the Lord your God and do not carefully follow all his commands and degrees that I'm giving you today, all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. You will be cursed in the city and cursed in the country. Your basket and your kneading trough will be cursed. The fruit of your womb will be cursed and the crops of your land and the calves of your herds and lambs of your flocks. You will be cursed when you come in and cursed when you go out. Now, I don't know about you, but that creates a lot of pressure inside of me. Pressure to get it right. Pressure to think right, act right, believe right, confess right. I mean, really, if you think about this system, it's kind of like Santa Claus. You see, if, if, if I behave all year, then I get to be on the nice list, right? But if I'm a bad boy, I get put on the naughty list. And depending on which list I'm in, decides whether I get lots of my favorite things in life or not. And depending, you know, even when it comes to Santa Claus, I mean, think about Santa Claus, I mean, it's really not about having a relationship with him or having him involved in every area of your life. Nope. 
Now we meet with him about 15 to 30 seconds, tell him what we want out of life. He tells us to be good or we'll get a lump of coal. And then we go on our merry way, wondering if he will pull through for us this year. And isn't that just like us when it comes to God? We keep trying to live old covenant ways so God will bless us with stuff and an easy life. We come and we sit on his lap. We give him our list of handouts that we want. All the while missing the essence of the new covenant. That's in Hebrews 7, 18 and 19. The former regulation is set aside because it was weak and useless. For the law made nothing perfect. And a better hope is introduced by which we draw near to God. See, going on my sabbatical, as I was going into it, I was faced with the sad reality that I had been relating to God on a, am I good enough to get blessed mentality? Am I good enough to get blessed so I can see my dreams come true? All the while, I was missing the essence of the new covenant which is the blessing of his presence. In this journey I'm going through, I'm having to switch from seeking the better blessings of this life to going after the better hope of drawing near to God. That's what Hebrews 7 is saying. The old system of performance to get blessings is done away with, and the new system is having a better hope of drawing near to God and experiencing His presence. No longer is life's blessings dependent on my performance. Whether good things happen or bad things happen, I have to fix my heart and my thoughts on drawing near to God. Can you say amen to that? Whether good or bad come my way, I have to be focused on the presence of God. It's the presence of God that is the only guaranteed thing that we have in this life. And I know some of you aren't convinced, but I'm telling you, Scripture teaches it's the only thing guaranteed. Because no one in Scripture 
is promised a problem-free life after they accept Jesus. It's not there. However, we are promised things like peace and joy. But here's the thing. Neither of those things are conditional on the absence of pain or trouble. Did you hear what I said? Your peace and your joy are not conditional whether your life has no pain or suffering. We can have peace in the midst of the worst storm of our life. We can have joy that has nothing to do with your circumstance. As a matter of fact, when it comes to pain and trouble, come on, I'm going to get my TV show on this one right here. When it comes to pain and trouble, we actually have some promises. Yeah. Oh, that's funny now. Oh, look, his TV show's about negativity. Awesome. That's right. It's about reality. Because we have an immature church in America. Because we think life is supposed to be a cakewalk. And when it doesn't, we walk. We actually have promises about trouble from the very mouth of Jesus Christ. Let's read them just for kicks and giggles. John 16, verse 33 says this. The words of Christ. I have told you these things so that in me you may have what? Peace. Peace. Here's the fun part. In this world, you will have trouble. That's a promise. That's one you can list on all the promises of God. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Yeah, that's something to clap about. That's something to thank God for. Or how about this gem promised to us through the Apostle Paul? Let's look at 2 Timothy 3.1. Mark this, meaning guaranteed. Okay? Take this to the bank. It's, it's a sure thing. There will be terrible times in the last days put that on your list of promises from God here's one I think we should be adding to our children's scripture memory list right Matthew 10 verse 22 it's a favorite we should all know all men will hate you because of me But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. That's a promise from the mouth of your Messiah. You will be hated. We've been promised trouble. We've been promised heartache. Not a perfect life. You see... A perfect life has been reserved as a reward in eternity. For those who have allowed the trials of this life to mature them. And the way things are going, some of us may never cultivate peace or joy. 
because we refuse to be satisfied with the presence of God that encompasses peace and joy. I'm going to say this, and it's going to hurt because it hurt me. But we're like spoiled, entitled children demanding our toys when the real prize is the presence of God. That's what Hebrews 7 is saying. We've been given something greater, something better than more stuff and an easy life. But we don't want to believe that. I don't want to believe that. And that's why most people quit. I wanted to quit. When life gets hard, we all want to quit. And a lot do. As I said earlier, we've probably had a couple thousand people come through this place through the years looking for a handout from God. I mean, literally, if, if all the people who attended this church and called this place their home, I'm not talking about just a weekend, you know, check in, see what you're all about, and then they leave. I'm talking about people who said, this is my home. If all those people who, who came and called this place their home since we started the church in 97, if they were still here, we would not be in this building. In fact, we would be a massive influence on the move of God in this region. But as it stands, we are a small influence in this region. And it's because we live for better blessings instead of living for a better hope of drawing near to God. And I'll say this, I think a lot of that blame it rests on me. From time to time I've been a whiny, spoiled, entitled child demanding more stuff, threatening to quit if I don't get my way. And for that I repent. I repent to you. And I repent to the Lord. So let me give you some hope. How do we move out of being a whiny, spoiled, entitled child into sonship, into maturity, into becoming an army instead of a nursery? Well, here's five ideas that I think can help you because they're helping me. So write this down. The first idea First idea is find the red dot. You know on the mall directory the red dot, right? Says you are here. 
Not many Christians really ever find the red dot on the mall directory that, that kind of lets them know this is where I'm at. Not even many Christians ever look for the red dot of where they are. You see, every, every new journey, every new journey starts with where you are. Not where you imagine you think you are. Not what you've convinced or lied to yourself that you are. It starts where you actually are. And knowing where you are is knowing what's going on inside of you as you go through life. See, knowing what's going on inside of you, that really matters. And even better than knowing yourself and what's going on in your heart is double knowledge. Here's what double knowledge is. Double knowledge is knowing who God is to you. And then knowing yourself as you relate to that image of God. That's your red dot. Is God a sugar daddy? Is he a Santa Claus? Is he a mean old stepfather who treats you like a redheaded stepchild? No offense, redheaded people. You're beautiful. But who you think God is has everything to do with who you relate to him as. That's where you start. Being real about that. So commit yourself to God and his word and pretend about nothing. Be honest. Take time to reflect where you are. As a matter of fact, ask other people to help. Ask others who will give you not an easy but an honest feedback on where they see you are, especially concerning how you carry your heart, especially on your interior world. And, and here's how you know that this idea is working for you. You will begin to feel the painful liberation of brokenness. That's how many of you sound. <laughs> give me more, give me more. Where? That's how you know that this is working. You will start to feel the painful liberation of brokenness. And it won't be just not over the hurts that are in your life that you can't relieve, it, but over the pride that's in your life that you struggle to eliminate. So idea number one, start by finding the red dot. Here's the second idea. See the fork in the road. 
for every one of us, there are two paths constantly before us. Especially when something goes wrong in your life. Money problems, lost relationship, emotional problems, work problems. In all of that, you have a choice to make between trying to handle it in a way that makes things better or by using the opportunity to draw near to God, which always leads to engaging your problem with new energy, holy wisdom, and power. If we choose the old way of performance, then we end up doing a great job of identifying what we want. But usually what we want is all about me and my well-being and my comfort. And when we take that, that path of, of better blessings, the, the wisdom that's on that path, it never reveals how hungry we are for God. It never reveals how deeply we desire God. It never reveals our craving for God's glory above everything else. Instead, it reveals how passionate we are for our life to be easy, and pain-free, which leads to building strategies that make it happen. Bless that baby. Those little guys are sweet. Or little girls. When we take the path of better blessings, it just enforces our ability to create strategies to get that for us. What do I got to do different? Well, I got to think different. Or I need to get this. I need to do that. I need to say this. I need to act like that to make me happy, to make me better. But see, when we take the path of, of a better hope, of drawing near to God, we discover not what is our greatest want in this life. We discover our greatest flaws. And out of that brokenness comes repentance, which then attracts the presence of God. And it fuels our longing for His glory. So the number two idea, identify the fork in the road. Number three, refocus your goals. Refocus your goals. In this idea, we have to admit what our ruling passions have been. 
we have to admit that the goals that we have been pursuing are not the best. And it's in this refocusing of our goals that we have to remind ourselves that our hearts were made for God. And, and in, as Augustine says, we'll find no rest until we find our rest in him. You will find no rest until you find your rest in him. And I want you to know it never comes naturally to eagerly pursue an encounter with God or an encounter within a spiritual community of people where we're actually known by others, we're experienced and discovered and, 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 and touched by others, where transformation comes and makes us like Jesus. That doesn't come naturally. And if we don't think about it, we'll, we'll end up chasing after goals that do come naturally. Things like more money, you know, more personal or physical comfort, more isolation from people who challenge us to grow. That is what comes natural. And in the new covenant way of living, we refocus our goals so that they pursue what we were created for. To enjoy God. We were created to enjoy spiritual encounter with him. We were created to encounter spiritual community with others. We were created to go through spiritual transformation, to grow up and to become mature. And our goals have to reflect the way of the Holy Spirit. So number three, refocus your goals. Number four, allow God's grace to do the heavy lifting. Allow God's grace to do the heavy lifting. Lifting. <clears throat> In the story of Abraham, God had promised to give him a son. Well, time passes and things don't progress like Abraham and Sarah think they should. So they decide to take matters into their own hands. And Abraham produces a son through Sarah's servant, Hagar. Well, Sometime later, Abraham and Sarah actually conceive, and Isaac is born. Once Isaac is born, they realize that the first kid they had, through Hagar, named Ishmael, is not the promised son. Isaac is. And problems start happening Things get bad. <clears throat> In our journey, 
we must be fully persuaded that only grace can birth Isaac. And not only is it only grace that can birth Isaac, but we also have to believe that grace is available in unlimited supply in every circumstance of your life. And the way we get it is through humility. We have to humble ourselves to receive grace the way God chooses to give it. Okay? I'm going to explain that because I know you're freaking. You're freaking out. Well, there's never been grace for my life. There's never been any. I'm always short of grace. Well, you're not. Jesus says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. It means you've got everything you need. All the grace is there. But you have to humble yourself and receive it the way God gives it. And here's what that means. If it means dipping yourself seven times in a dirty Jordan River, you best get your butt down to the beach. You have to obey. When grace comes and God says, do this, you can do it and be successful. Or you can go, no, that's a dirty, nasty river. There's a better way. I can figure this out on my own. Thanks, God. Thank you. That was a good suggestion. I'll consider it in the list that I have. Receiving grace always requires humility. It requires the death of your pride. It requires the death of your self-sufficiency. So number four, allow God's grace to do the heavy lifting. Here's number five, my last one. Number five, reorient your prayer life. Reorient your prayer life. If any of this is going to work for you, this is going to be anything more than an entertaining Sunday morning. We have to change how we pray. Because if we live for blessings, we pray a certain way. If we live to know God, we pray another way. And there is a way to pray that grows out of appreciation for the access 
that Jesus gives us into the presence of God Almighty. So changing how we pray comes when what is most important to God becomes our highest priority. And it's at that point that life begins to flow even in the midst of your crisis, even in the midst of your pain. But you have to change the way you pray. Oh God, bless my mess. Take it away. Stop the hurt. Stop the pain. I get it. I pray those prayers. No one likes pain. No one wants to suffer. But we're doing it wrong. We're not pressing in to the presence of God first and and declaring you're enough. So we have to change our prayer life. As a matter of fact, Jesus said in Matthew 6, Verse 21, he says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So what do you treasure most? Is it your comfort? Is it your easy life? Is it more me time? Maybe it's something spiritual like your spouse your children, your pursuit of a spouse. Where is your treasure? More money? Or will it be the presence of God? Will that be your highest treasure? I believe that if you will take these five ideas and put them to work, you will see what I'm starting to see. That grace and peace and joy are available in growing quantities. So I am choosing to be faithful in the grace that God has given me, and I'm letting him make things grow. I'm learning to cast my cares on him and make his presence my number one goal. And it is out of the presence of God that I expect, and it's okay to expect, but I do it in humility. Out of the presence of God, I expect to receive wisdom for life. I expect to have revelation. I expect peace and joy so I can begin to walk in dominion in my life. So I can see the kingdom of heaven advanced in my life and in the lives of those I influence. Because he's a good, good father. It's who he is. He's just 
waiting to lavish all that He's already given me in Christ. Just to reveal it to me. But He will not stand to be number two in my pursuit. So I hope that you too switch your heart in life from going after the stuff, going after the ease of life and make the presence of God your number one goal in everything you're doing. Amen? Well, if you're with me, stand up and we'll pray. And if you don't, I'm okay with it. You just sit down and figure it out. Because I was faithful to say what I had to say today. Good luck with growth. So, Father, I surrender these words, I surrender these thoughts. God, whatever was foolishness and immaturity, whatever was not from heaven, I just cancel those words today. And the truth, God, the, the nuggets, the, the gems, the gold that was brought forth, God, I pray they would find a home in our hearts. That, God, these seeds that I planted would be watered by others and you would bring the growth today, God. You said it's time to grow up and quit being a nursery and start becoming an army. And so today, Lord, you give us the wisdom and revelation to show us how to mature, to be the influence you've called this church to be. So God, I pray today, go with us. Grow this word. Let revelation and revolution come out of these people. As we be a people who are satisfied with nothing but the presence of God. So I bless this room. And I bless those who will hear the podcast online. Receive this word and walk in it. In the awesome name of Jesus. And everybody says, Amen. Amen. Go and be blessed today. If you need prayer, there'll be someone up front here that can pray with you. God bless you.